0: 10 of praise, hallelujah. come on, get into a praise church, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I probably don't even need to preach, somebody come to church today and you're like man that's what I needed, I just needed to get in the house of God and yeah. praise God with the people of God, it's just something about being together, isn't there, amen. You know, uh, we got a lot of people in this room, in rooms in Owine and Audubon, and praising God together, and there's a reason that God's called us to be together. You know, we're better together, we're stronger together, we can equip each other, we can encourage each other, you know, all of that's important, but you know what's most important about being together? There is something special about the unity in a room that is here for one reason, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. (laughs) I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you. Where two or more are gathered, He's with you. Amen. He's always with us and there's just something incredible about being in the house of God together, lifting up the name of our Lord. And I want to tell you, if you're joining us online, you can still get to church this weekend. Just get in now. Come to the last half of the service, all right? We don't care. Walk in the door. Come to an altar call, all right? Even if you live in Omaha, you could probably get here in time for a latte at the end, all right? Maybe. Depends how long I preach for, am I right? You know. <clears throat> but, um, but I'm telling you right now, it's special to be in the room. You know, God didn't say, do not forsake watching church. He said, do not forsake gathering together. Because when you get in the house of God, you leave blessed. You leave equipped. You leave empowered. But again, I don't come to church for that. I come to church to lift up his name. Amen. And if I get nothing else out of it other than I lifted up the name of Jesus over my community, then that's enough for me. Can I get an amen? Making him famous. can. I'm told that I uh, may have got a little excited in my sermon uh, so far this weekend, and so my voice is a little, uh, little rough today, so I'm going to sound like Brian Houston all day, you know. Anytime that, uh, anytime that my voice gets sort of trashed, I sound like Brian Houston, you know, like welcome to Eternity Church, uh, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but bear with me, and uh, my accent gets even thicker when my voice is trashed, so my, my whole voice gets lazy, so forgive me, but bear with me. Uh, today we're going to read uh, a scripture that's pretty crazy, there's some name changes in it, some minor surgeries in it, uh, some, uh, some massive promises, uh, and some laughing old people, and uh, you're going to hear the word circumcision more today than you've ever heard it in your life. Um, but just before we get into that, I want you to know that the word circumcision uh, actually just means cut, okay? Uh, and so we think of it meaning to cut a certain area, but, uh, but the word before it was applied to this, it just means to cut. And uh, so God was just saying, you need to cut this in your life and so that's Genesis chapter 17 if you can get that ready in your Bibles uh, or on your phone wherever it is that you read the word. Uh, If you're new, I just want to say welcome to church. My name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad you're here today. We've got a gift for you after the service. Um, So there should be some fluoro yellow people just standing out by the doors there. Uh, Just find one of them. They want to give you a gift. It's just our way of saying thanks for coming to church today. And we give out good swag. You know what I mean? We don't give out that trash swag. Did you get that? And you're like, that's going to Goodwill tomorrow. You know, you're like, I'm going to wear this a hundred times before it goes to Goodwill. All right. So we got some good stuff for you out there. Go get that. It's all free. Uh, Welcome Audubon. Welcome Old wine everybody else. We're going to have a good time in church today. Y'all ready for Genesis chapter 17? All right. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Uh, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless, uh, and I'll make my covenant between me and between you, uh, and may multiply you greatly. Excuse me. Uh, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. And God said to Abram, "As as for you, you shall keep my covenant and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people, and he has broken my covenant. I told you you were going to hear that a lot more than ever before today. But uh, the whole Word of God is useful for teaching, for equipping, for training, for understanding, for rebuking, it's all good. We don't wanna avoid bits that are difficult. We don't wanna avoid bits that have scary words. We don't wanna avoid bits that are scarier than the walking dead. We wanna read the whole thing. Can I get an amen? amen? The whole thing is good for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that this is the living Word of God, that it is good. For our lives, that, that in it, that it, it has the rules for life. And uh, they're not rules to hold us back from potential, but to release us into the life that you planned for us. God, we thank you that this is life. It is not a heavy burden. Your burden is light. This life brings joy, brings hope, brings freedom, brings healing, Lord God, and equips us to live the way that you plan for us. And God, we acknowledge at Eternity Church that your ways are better than our ways. So help us today to understand it a little bit more that our lives might better reflect the plan that you had for each and every one of us. Could someone say, Amen, Amen. and high five your neighbor, and say, Some of that was nasty. So the title of my message today is making the cut. Someone say making the cut. Now, I want to tell you something really fascinating. I'm going to open up my Bible here to Matthew. um, And when I get to Matthew here, see this part here of my Bible on your right. That is the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, you may call it, but the Old Testament Here is the New Testament on the other side. As you'll see, the Old Testament's about two to three times larger than the New Testament right here. And what's fascinating is that this smaller portion here actually um, uses the word circumcision or circumcised or related words about 30% more than this uh, larger portion Here, the first section of your Bible. So obviously there is still something of the heart of God for us to learn from this idea of circumcision, right? If it's in the New Testament significantly more than the Old Testament. Now some of the reason that it's mentioned so much in the New Testament is that scripture uses it as an example of a new type of circumcision cut that needs to be made in our lives, Uh, but another fascinating thing about why it's mentioned so much in the New Testament, uh, that is it's mentioned more uh, after the cross, it's mentioned more when it's not required than it ever was mentioned when it was required, and that's fascinating, isn't it, right? Uh, The reason is because for thousands of years, people have cared more about titles, they have cared more about looks than they have cared about the heart (coughs) and the behavior of a man, so for thousands of years, people have cared more about looking the part than actually being the part. They've cared more about looking saved than being saved, than looking religious, than being religious. That They want to look religious more than they want to actually be religiously involved in their relationship with God. They wear robes and they got stained glass windows. They got crosses all over their walls. They've got rings on their fingers. They look the part, but they're so often dead inside. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you know, many Lutheran churches, many Methodist churches might be like this. They care more about the traditions of man than the change that comes from the heart of God, right? They care more about having a robe on, having stained glass behind the preacher, having nice beautiful pews that were crafted by the best carpenters in the land. They seem to care more about the robe and the ring and the, and the hat or the pontiff or whatever it is They care more about that than the Word of God. They look the part, but most of them have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They look good. They look fancy, but they're dead inside. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the church that looks the part but isn't the part. I don't want to be the church that, that looks religious but has no religion. I don't want to be the church that that gets stuck on the on the traditions of man but gives up on the heart of God. And so many churches that they're obsessed with looking the part, but but when push comes to shove, their beliefs no longer line up with the word of God. I want to go back to the story for a bit, Genesis chapter 17. roll through this before we start elaborating a little bit more on circumcision and what the New Testament calls circumcision of the heart. Um, But in Genesis chapter 17, what we see is the Lord comes and makes a promise to Abram, right? Now we'll call it a covenant. God said that he would multiply him greatly, that he would be the father of a multitude of nations, that no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you The father of many nations, and then immediately from that verse onwards, he's called Abraham. So, before the promise, right, before this conversation, he is what? Abram, right? Now, what you may not know is what Abram means. Now, everybody knows what Abraham means, right? Because we sing that song, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said, Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right? Who sang that song growing up, right? <clears throat> like, so we know that, that Abraham means father of many, right? You're his sons and daughters. I'm one of his sons, you know. And so Abraham, father of, <coughs> excuse me, father of many. But what you might not know is that before he was called Abraham, he was called Abram, and Abram means father. So before he was father of many, he was father, can you imagine walking around and your name is Father, but you ain't got no kids? Your whole life, your name is Father, you ain't got no kids. You go to kindergarten, everyone's like, hey, Father. They're like, man, that is an old man child right there, you know what I mean? Like, you ever seen one of those babies? You're like, man, that kid looks like a miniature 85-year-old. You ever seen one of those kids, you know? Like, that's Abram. His name is Father, and he's got no kids. He's at school. Everybody calls him father. Maybe they give him a little bit of grace. They're like, well, you know, he is seven. You know, maybe when he's older, he'll actually be a father. Maybe it's prophetic. But then he goes to college. He's still got no kids. Then he gets married. He's still got no kids. Then he's middle-aged. He's still got no kids. Then he's 60. He's still got no kids, right? Like, and everybody's calling him father, but he's not a father. I kind of know what that juxtaposition is like when your name means one thing, but you ain't it. My name's Jesse. Jesse means blessed by God. It also means wealthy and wealth that came from God, okay? So it's not just blessed in that kind of metaphorical sense where, oh, I'm so blessed. But it it literally means wealthy, all right? Like, I got the cash. But funny enough, I was broke growing up, right? Right? Like, also, I was one of only two male Jessies in the entire country of Australia. Can you imagine that? I don't know why my dad named it. He had a word from God or something like that. But every Jesse in Australia is a girl. My whole life, why you got a girl's name, Jesse? I'm like, I don't know. Blame my dad. Turns out dad named me because I was going to live in another land where Jesse is a boy's name. Thank you, God, <laughs> for that change in my life. Every single time, they're like, Is it short for Jessica? I'm like, huh, can I punch in the face? You know, my entire life, I'm called a girl's name and I'm called wealthy, but I was a boy and I was broke. My family was so poor, all right, you know, that whole, no, we're so poor. No, no, no. My family was so poor that we did not have running water, okay? And so what would, What my dad would do when we were very young is he would take the dogs out to the river and he would send the dogs across the river first. If the dogs got to the other side, we, we, we get in there. If the dogs come back and they didn't get eaten by crocodiles, we felt like it was probably safe to bathe on the edge of that river, all right? Then my dad would sit up on the edge of the river with a rifle just in case one of the crocs missed the dog and come for us, right? That's how poor, you think, I'm not even joking, true story. That's how poor my family was, but my name was wealthy. Had a girl's name, it meant wealthy, I was a boy and I was broke. It was confusing, and my dad would always tell me, your name means wealthy. I'm like, well, it ain't working, if we were wealthy, I'd be in a shower right now. Come on now. <clears throat> Abram's name means father. His whole life he's called father. He ain't got no kids. It's so confusing. You can only imagine that was a life of mockery. And then after a life of mockery, God comes and says, Abram, I'm changing your name. Abram's like, finally, Yes. So excited. Been waiting for this my whole life. He hears the words, no longer shall your name be called Abram. And he is absolutely pumped. He is just lined. He is just on board. He's like the ridicule is about to stop. And then God says, from now on, your name is. And he's like, I can't wait. I'm going to be Jeff. I've always wanted to be Jeff. I'm so sick of being father. I want to be Jeff. Come on now. He's like, even Jesse is fine. It's not a girl's name right now. It means wealthy. I am rather wealthy. I'm going to be Jesse. And he says, Your name now is Abraham. He's like, No! The ridicule's going to get worse. You went from father to father of many. It's crazy. But what I love about this interaction with God is once God said it, it was true. Once God said it, it was true. God doesn't speak and then at some time in the future, it's like, okay, now that's going to come true. If God said it, it is true. We just don't see it yet. Come on now. Amen. If God said it, it is true. God said that he shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And immediately after that, God says, no, no longer shall your name be Abram, but Abraham, for I have made You, the father of a multitude of nations. See, he says, you're going to be, and then the next sentence is, and I have made you. Why? Because I said it. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let us create mankind in our image, and mankind was made in his image, right? When God says it, it's now true. We're not waiting for it to come true. We're waiting to see what is true. Can I get an amen? I don't know what God has promised into your life. I don't know what what promises God has spoken into your heart from the word of God. But if God said it, it is true. We're not waiting for it to come true. We're waiting to see what is true. God said, raise your kids in the ways of God. When they're old, they will not depart. God said it. We're not waiting for it to come true. We're waiting to see that it is true. Can I get an amen? God will do what God promises to do. Someone say amen. Amen. When Lauren and I lived in Australia and God called us to the USA, we had a word from God. It was so clear. It was spoken to us. It was affirmed, and then it was affirmed, and then it was affirmed, and we're like, all right, this is a word from God. This is true. We knew that we're moving to the USA because God said. We knew that we're going to call the church Eternity Church Because God said, we knew that we were going to be the lead pastors because God said. Our our, our names changed, so to speak. We, we, We started behaving in a different way. We started talking like we are the pastors of Eternity Church. We started saying that we are the pastors of Eternity Church, a church that didn't seem to exist yet, but God said it, so it's real. There was just a group of people meeting together, calling themselves Jordan Creek Family Church at the time they hadn't had a pastor for a few years. It was going to be shut down. It was very small. But God told us that we're going to take that small group of believers and plant Eternity Church with them. So we started behaving like lead pastors, talking like lead pastors, acting like lead pastors. And I started saying that I am the lead pastor. We sold everything we owned in Australia. We moved into our parents' house. We didn't even have visas yet. That's crazy, right? We didn't even have visas. The church didn't even have the income to support us, but somehow the government's like that makes sense. It didn't make sense. But we had a word from God. We didn't, by the way, we didn't sell everything because we had some bad pizza. We got a word from God and it was affirmed multiple times by leaders and mentors and ministers in our lives. And then we just packed everything up and started chasing what God said in our hearts. You know why we did that? Though we didn't have visas, our hearts had been cut by God. And when God cuts your heart, everything changes. When God does a work on the inside of you, something new is going to come out of you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Because when God does something in you, something's going to come out of you that's different than what was coming out before. See, our faith is not a, a faith of appearance, but it's, a faith, uh, but, but it's a faith of the heart, and out of the abundance of the heart comes all sorts of things in your life. <clears throat> and so, so when God cuts you, when, when your heart has been marked by God, something good is gonna come out of you. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will judge or condemn, it says in this particular way, uh, you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one who is a Jew is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew Is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit of God, not by the letter of the law. His praise is not from man, but from God. What he's saying is hey, you can do everything you want to look the part, snip, snip, but if you're not going to be the part, your praise will come from man, not from God. We don't want to just have robes, rings, stained glass and, and all this other stuff and nice wooden pews or whatever it is, but there's no fruit coming out of the heart of our lives. There's no change on the inside. We may have been marked on the outside, but we have not been marked on the inside. And that person's praise will come from man, not from God. What's he saying? saying, All this circumcision talk all you Jews are doing right now, all this talk about the appearance of the man means nothing if there's no fruit in the man's life that lines up with the Word of God. It's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew when he said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That means that when you repent, if you actually do repent, there's a... Which means to to turn away from and turn toward, not just to turn away from one thing, but toward another, to turn away from sin and ungodliness and worldliness and to turn toward God, that should then produce a new sort of fruit in your life. Something different ought to come out of you when you're walking this way instead of walking that way. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And then he goes on to say, Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able to raise up from these stones more children from Abraham. In other words, y'all think you get this covenant? Y'all think you're heirs of this promise because you cut something off your body? Hey, if God wants more children for Abraham, he can make them out of these stones. The way you live is more important than the way you look. Come on, church. And for too long, people have wanted to look the part instead of being the part. They want to have their steeples and they want to have their peoples and they want to have all this stuff, but they're dead on the inside. They were acting like they're better than someone else because they cut their flesh. We're all Abrahams. Sorry, we're all heirs of Abraham's promise. The promise that God made to Abraham, we are heirs of too. Because as Paul goes on later, that it is for us that he said those things as well. That it is for us who believe in him, right? For us who have had our hearts marked by God, that we are living a new and a different and a better life that is bearing fruit. He's saying, has your heart been cut? I don't care about your tattoos or your lack of tattoos, has your heart been cut? You're not better because you're rich, but you're not better because you're poor. Has your heart been cut? You're not better because you're in a Taurus and you're not better because you're in a Lincoln. Has your heart been cut? None of this out, not, not some, no, none of this external stuff matters. Has your heart been cut and what fruit do you bear? I don't care about your suit or your thongs. That would be flip-flops if you're an Australian. Thongs is even more inappropriate when you're talking about circumcision, isn't it? Let's just move on from that. Has your heart been cut? Come on now. Has your heart been cut? I don't care what everyone else says about you. Has your heart been cut? Have you gone under the knife? Have the desires of your heart changed? Is your behavior changing? Is there fruit in your life? Are you living by the name that I gave you or are you still calling yourself Abram? Church, God doesn't care what you look like. He cares about the fruit that comes out of you. The circumcision of Genesis changed what we looked like, but the circumcision of the heart changes everything. The old circumcision changed your look. The new circumcision changes your behavior. So, what is circumcision? It's giving your whole heart to God. <clears throat> giving your whole heart to the Lord. Because when God gets in your heart, it changes everything. When God cuts your heart, it changes more more of your life than than just the flesh, than just the outward, which by the way, it does change the flesh too, because, because when God's in your life, there is healing, come on now. When God's in your life, bitterness will be broken off you, and bitterness causes all sorts of uh, medical challenges in your life. When God gets in your heart, there's healing, there's wholeness, there's health. When you live your life according to God's word, uh, you will live a better life in all areas of your life. Because listen, it's not that the physical doesn't matter, it's just that the appearance isn't what matters. Come on now, right? And so, so your whole life changes when God gets your heart. If nothing in your life has ever changed, God has not cut your heart. Too many churches preach a repentance-free salvation, they twist scripture and say that what you do doesn't matter. <clears throat> it's what's on the inside that counts. They twist it, they, they're, like, they're like they've got fruit and your appearance confused okay well, well but no 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 your appearance doesn't matter but your fruit most certainly does they say that your what you do doesn't matter it's your heart that matters as if your heart doesn't produce what you do come on now they preach a they preach a salvation of affirmation instead of a salvation of transformation they say it doesn't matter if you sleep around it doesn't matter if you remain in a gay relationship. It doesn't matter if you keep on uh, getting and promoting abortions. It doesn't matter if you keep getting drunk. It doesn't matter if you steal. It doesn't matter if you lie. It doesn't matter if you're a gossip. It doesn't matter if you're a racist. No, they'd never say that. Actually, that's the one sin that apparently does matter. No, no. But guess what? It all matters. It all matters. God, I want to bear better fruit in my life. I don't want to sleep around. I don't want to remain in, in, in these kind of sexual perverted relationships that don't honor you or your word or your design. I, I don't want to promote abortions. I don't want to keep getting drunk. I don't want to steal anymore. I don't want to lie anymore. I don't want to be racist anymore. I want to. I, I don't want to judge people by the external. I want to see people how you see them. I want to judge the fruit and the heart. I don't want to judge the appearance, God. I want to judge rightly. No, no, you've got to let him cut your heart and change your life. There's no such thing as repentance-free salvation. There's no such thing as a salvation of affirmation. It's a salvation of transformation. God wants to change your life, not because he wants to hold you back from all these goodies and all these wonderful fun and exciting things that are over there, but because they seem fun, they taste good, but they're poisoned apples that will destroy you. So, he wants to help you avoid that. And if you've been involved in that, he wants to heal you. He wants to get that poison, that toxicity out of you and help you live the life that God planned for you because God's plans are better than your plans. And God's ways are better than your ways. And God's thoughts are better than your thoughts. And he wants you to live the best life you can. Can someone say amen? amen. Do you believe this, church? Yes. Amen. Now, we're not saying you won't make mistakes. I'm not saying you won't occasionally find some bugs on your fruit. I'm just saying if your heart's been cut, you're going to want to live a different way. You know, one of the other differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament cut is sometimes you got to get cut again. Sometimes it grows back on your heart again. Sometimes the, the lust has been cut off, but it's starting to grow back so I'm going to come down the front and be like, Lord, cut it off again. Sometimes, sometimes the hate that you used to have has been cut off, but it starts to grow back. Can I be honest with you? There are some politicians that sometimes I start to hate and I've got to go to the Lord and be like, Lord, I need you to cut that back again. Because my my hatred of the sin and my hatred of that ideology and my hatred of their lies and the the, the sin that they promote has begun to become a hatred of the person. So Lord, can you cut that hatred back off my heart? It happens. And I've got to come back to the Lord and be like, Lord, I need you to cut that off my heart again because I don't want to live a life. That excuses away bad behavior. That excuses away sin in my life. I don't want to live a life of mockery, and I've felt it coming back in my life. So, Lord, could you cut that back again? Maybe you went under the knife, but bitterness is growing back. Sorry, that would be bitterness is growing back. Maybe hate's growing back. Maybe unforgiveness is growing back. Maybe you're seeing a little fruit fly on your fruit. But don't make excuses just don't love it. You know, I don't understand the idea that Christians have to pretend that they've never had some sort of bad desires grow back in their hearts. I don't understand the idea that Christians are so scared to say, I messed up, I'm sorry. I made a mistake, it was wrong. And and it's like we either gone. It's like there's two extremes. Like we're gonna just pretend that God's fine with everything that we do, which He isn't. Or on the other end, we're just gonna pretend that we've never done anything that's wrong. I'm like, I don't want to be that. That's that's just legalism and wokeism. And they're both. uh, You know, people say like uh, we want to be in the middle. I don't even want to be on that plane. That plane goes to hell. I wanna I wanna be on the plane that's humble enough to be like I have bad desires that I need you to cut. Uh, uh, some things are growing. I've been doing some wrong things, Lord. Uh, I don't want to be so prideful that I, that I pretend that I've never messed up or so prideful that I try to rewrite your word to try and excuse my behavior. I don't want to be on that plane, Lord. I don't, even, I don't want to be in the middle. I want, to, I want to be in a whole different airplane, one that leads to eternal life, that takes humility to get on. Pride comes before what? You know how many people yelled out, Fool. They did yesterday too. Pride comes before a fool. Did you know that's not what the scripture says? It does not say pride comes before a fool. See, that it says a haughty heart before a fool, but it says pride comes before destruction, not a fool. See, what's the difference? Well, this is pride coming before a fool. I'm prideful and walking along and oh, oh, geez. And what do you do when you fall? You get back up, right? You've been telling your kid that since he was six months old. Oh, you fell. Oh my gosh, get back up on the horse. He's like, I'm six months old. I don't have a horse. You're like, it'll make sense in the future, right? So he gets back up and and he goes for a walk again, right? Because he fell and when you fall, you get back up. But that's not what scripture says about pride. It says that pride comes before destruction. You don't get back up after destruction. You're done. I don't want to have pride. Can I get an amen? I don't want to be the guy that says, I've never messed up. I don't need a savior. Or the guy that says, we've been interpreting the Bible wrong. Actually, everything I do is okay. I don't need a savior. pride That's why pride comes to destruction. Because you think you don't need a savior and you will go to hell. I'm going to get on a different airplane. Right? I'm in the middle. I think uh, I've done nothing wrong and it's not sin anyway. You know, like, no, I don't want to be in the middle. I want a whole different airplane that leads to eternal life. One that says, I messed up. Christians, you can acknowledge making mistakes. You're not a hypocrite for making mistakes. You're not a hypocrite for saying, this is how I want to live. This is how I ought to live. This is how you ought to live. But I made some mistakes on the way, but I do not sit in my sin. I do not sit in my mistakes. I'm not begging people to affirm me in my sin. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm just saying I'm not there yet, but I'm going there. You're not a hypocrite saying, I want to go to Chicago, but you're still 100 miles away. You're just not there yet. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's what this is. This is a journey, all right? It's saying, I'm not there yet, but I want to get there. Amen. Christian, just humble yourself and admit you got to cut something back off your heart again. It's okay. You're not perfect. Can someone say amen? amen? Amen. Pride comes before destruction. But God elevates the humble. Amen? You're going to need to give God your heart. Let him cut your heart. And when God cuts your heart, it changes you. There will be new fruit in your life if God cut your heart. You cannot live the same old life that you lived before God cut your heart. Can I get an amen? I actually do know what it's like to have your heart cut. Throw this photo up for me. This is a photo of me when I was 17 years old, okay? Um, Some of you have seen this before. I think I've put it up on the screen one other time. Um, But I was 17 years old here, and um, probably the scariest day of my entire life, actually. Um, I knew for my whole life that that day was coming, that one day I was going to have to get cut. I knew it my whole life, and I was scared of it my whole life, and uh, I was terrified on that day, like many of you are, right? Many of you have some things on your heart that you've known for your whole life or for a long time is going to need to get cut off your heart, and you've been terrified of going to an altar call or asking God to cut it off your life because you know that after that you're going to have to learn a different way to live, and it's, it's scary, right? And so many of you know that that's what you're going to have to do. And uh, for me, I was scared. I remember talking to Annie Gail one day about how scared I was. I didn't want to tell my mom and my dad because, um, you know, I knew that they were really scared too. So I pretended to be tough, right, because I was 17. I'm not five. You know, when you're five, you're like, I'm scared. And when you're 17, you're like, I'm not scared. But you're like, you are, you know. Um, but my parents were, you know, were freaking out. So I was like, I'll just not tell them. Um... Auntie Gail gave me a lot of great advice, I've talked about it before, but one thing she said was that I've got to trust the surgeon. He's done this before. He's done it hundreds of times before. And can I tell you that if you've been trying to avoid a cut to your heart that you've known for many years or weeks or whatever it is, and you've been trying to avoid it or you've been scared or you don't know how how it's going to go, you don't know how you're going to live a different life, can I tell you, you can trust the surgeon? He's done this before. He's done it millions of times. He's done it billions of times before. You can trust the surgeon. He's the great physician, as Luke calls him, amen. If you really believe, you gotta trust him. Trust him that your life will be better after the cut than before the cut. When I woke up, listen, when I woke up from the surgery, my life was not better than beforehand. Can I be honest with you? When I woke up from the surgery, My life was not better than it was before, because I had to relearn a whole lot of things. had to learn how to breathe properly again. When you have open heart surgery, they deflate your lungs all the way down, and and you can only breathe really really small, and you've got to relearn how to take a breath, not a deep breath, just a regular breath. Breath, and uh, they give you this machine that you've got that, that you've got to use, and you sort of you sort of um, you've got to sort of suck on this on this uh, tube that it has, and to sort of like inflate your lungs, and and it elevates a, a needle in it, and when that gets to a certain height, you know the goal is to get it all the way to the top, and but at first you you can only get it about a tenth of an inch off the bottom of the of the and you're, and it's and it hurts badly, you know, um, and, so, and so it's horrible and you got to relearn that and it, and it sucked and I had to do it like every 10 to 20 minutes and, and it was just pain for days and weeks as I'm relearning how to breathe again and laughing was the <clears throat> most awful thing in my life after you have heart surgery because your whole chest has been cut open and then someone tells a joke and you're like, ha ha, kill me. You know, and it hurts, and you've got to relearn a lot of things. I, I had to get help walking. I, I didn't know how to walk properly. My legs were just like, "I don't know what to do. I just dangled, no, the, and, the, and they need to get strong again, and, and, I, and I couldn't do anything on. I needed help to get to the toilet. I needed help to get to the table, and I, I, I had people had to make my meals. I couldn't make a sandwich. Everything was harder after the cut than it was before the cut. You're like, "Yeah, you're really selling me on this." Cut the hard idea. No, there was not a single thing in my life that was easier after the surgery than before the surgery. And I think that's why a lot of people avoid making the cut. I think that's why a lot of people run away when God says we've got to change some things in your life because you know, you know it's a lie when the church says everything's getting better tomorrow. Everything's going to be great tomorrow. You know it's a lie because you know stuff's got to change. You know your life doesn't line up with the word. You know there's habits in your life and, and, and everything was worse the next day. But today, everything is better. Everything is better today. Everything was better just a few weeks, just a couple of weeks later. Everything was better. But at first, everything had to change. Because when God cuts your heart, things change. You don't go back to the old life. You don't go back to the old ways. Right now, now I can run. I can run for miles, and I love it. Now I can ride. Every year, I haven't this year, but every year I go on a bike ride. I do a 100-mile bike ride in one day. Uh, And every day, I don't know why I do it. I think I do it just to be like, ha-ha, devil, you know? Can't stop this. Oh, no, 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 can't touch this. Like I'm just like, come on, devil. I'm like, if you want to get me out, it's going to have to be a car hitting me on this bike ride. And even that will end up blessing me because that's what my God does. Every time you throw something at me, God uses it to bless me. You know, there's a whole bunch of addictions and troubles in my life that I missed out on. Sorry, a whole bunch of addictions and troubles in my family that I missed out on because I couldn't touch that stuff because I had a heart condition. Therefore, you tried to take me out. It blessed me. It blessed me i got brothers that go to prison, I've got, there's drugs and alcoholism and all sorts of stuff, and I'm the only one that got married, then had kids, you know, like, like no, 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 devil, what you meant for harm, the Lord used for good, can someone say amen? I'm 40, and I'm stronger, fitter, healthier than I ever was before the cut, and than I ever could have possibly been if I didn't get the cut. I'd be struggling to breathe or something right now if I didn't. Go get the cut. But that's the thing, isn't it? The great physician knows what you need. It's worth a little bit of pain for the healing that's at the other end. When we get so scared of the cut and so scared of the healing and so scared of the change, what we got to remember is this. God doesn't cut you to hurt you. He cuts you to heal you. and you can trust the great physician. You know what I'm talking about here is um, I know like an example of somebody that's scared of the change. at a friend of mine's church, a lady who's a stripper gave her life to the Lord. she was earning a lot of money somewhere between like 150 to 250,000 dollars a year, depending on the, the year. and um, She gave her life to Christ. And immediately, do you know what she knew? That someday, soon, she's going to have to get cut. And this is going to have to change. But there's a fear, right? Well, I've got no other skills. I'm like Napoleon Dynamite, but gorgeous. That's it, you know? So what else can I do? Like, how am I going to earn? How am I going to live on 40 maybe $50,000 a year, I've been living on one hundred fifty to $250,000 and it's going to hurt and I'm going to have to relearn like, budgeting and I'm going to have to relearn uh, I'm going to have to relearn her, uh, her spending habits I'm, uh, like I'm going to have to relearn how to live in a house like this instead of a mansion like this like, like how, how am I going to relearn this stuff and so she was scared of the cut praise God, she did make the cut one day she responded to the Lord and said Lord I know this has to change I've been scared of this since the day I gave you my life. In fact, I was scared to give you my life because I knew this was going to get cut. Some of you gave your lives to Christ, scared of a cut that's coming. Can I tell you, you've got to let him cut you. You do not want to be the person that turns up to church but has no fruit in their life. You do not want to be the person that had fruit in their life but then let other things grow back and has stopped responding when God speaks to your heart. You don't want to, do not want to be the person that does not bear fruit in keeping with repentance as Jesus said in Matthew. Some of you have been carrying some things for a long time, scared of what you're going to have to relearn afterwards. Well, I don't know how I'm going to live if I stop cheating on my taxes. I don't, have to, I don't know how I'm going to live if I start having more integrity in my business. That's a real fear for some people. There's some good men and women of God that own great businesses full of integrity in this church that would not condemn you but help you make that change in your life, by the way. There are good people in here that can show you that integrity bears better fruit than a lack of integrity. But you may be scared, how am I going to make the car? I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I don't want to relearn how to breathe. I don't want to relearn how to walk. I don't want to relearn how to live. Let me go back to it again. God doesn't cut you to hurt you. He cuts you to heal you. Let's not just say we're believers. Let's actually believe that it's going to be better his way. Amen. You know, if you let him make the cut, you're going to be able to walk the walk without growing faint. You're going to be able to run without growing weary. You're going to be able to fly as Isaiah says, on wings like eagles. Don't be scared. I'm going to ask you to come down the front and make the cut. Would you all stand up with me? I actually know another friend who was in a gay relationship and um, he gave his life to Christ knowing that there's going to be a cut. He was scared of the cut because he was in a relationship. He, he, you, know, he, you know, he did have companionship and he knew that making this cut would mean that well, I'm going to be lonely. What if I'm not ever attracted to women? What if this? What if that? I'm going to lose half my house. How am I going to make this change? You're scared to make the cut. But God doesn't cut you to hurt you. He cuts you to heal you. And the only reason you need a cut is because something's broken and needs healing. So he made the cut. And God healed him. And God blessed him. And he married a woman. And they had kids. And now they've got grandkids. Because when you make the cut, life's going to be far better than it ever could have been if you don't make the cut. Your cut might just be bitterness growing back in your heart and you're like, I've got to cut it out. Your cut might just be anger turning into hate instead of anger at unrighteousness. Full disclosure, it was about six months ago where I was just like, instead of just being like, I don't like some of Bido's um, policies, I started to hate him. I think I told you that didn't I? And I was like, man, I feel like I hate this guy now. Every time I see his face, I'm like, ugh. And I'm like, man, I literally felt like I hated our president. And I'm like, Lord, I don't get to do that. You said that you have heard it said, do not, you know, kill, do not murder. But I tell you, if you hate them, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna have murder in my heart according to the word of God. And so I have to go back and ask. I don't know what it is in your heart or your life. Maybe there's been this lifelong fear of making the cut. Scared of the change? Or maybe there's just something that's been growing back and you need to ask God to cut it off again. If that's you, would you just come down the front? We had a lot of people in the last service too, come on down, so you won't be alone. Just come down the front. You're like, yeah, I've got to make the cut. Come to the middle for for me, friends. Come on down. You're just saying, yeah, I've I've got to make the cut. Don't be scared. He's He's not going to cut you to hurt you. He's going to cut you to heal you. Amen. Amen. He's going to cut you to heal you. He's going to cut you to heal you. There's going to be healing now. You're going to relearn some stuff. And like I said, I'm, I, you know, I don't like sugarcoating things anymore. Sometimes. Sometimes it's, you know. But honestly, I, I, I don't, I'm not here to tell you that if you come down the front today, tomorrow you're going to be like, yes, glad so great. Tomorrow you might be like, "Ooh, this is just so uncomfortable. But can I tell you this? Stick with it. Keep breathing into that machine. It may hurt, but keep breathing into that machine. You know, if I didn't breathe into that machine that they gave me, I would not be able to run now. I wouldn't have, my lungs would not have the capacity to sustain my body to go for a run because I didn't breathe into the machine that hurt. Crazy, eh? Keep breathing into the machine. Just keep doing it, I know it hurts. So if you're down here and you're like, yes, tomorrow's gonna be amazing, probably not. But from tomorrow onwards, see the first day after surgery is brutal. But from that day on it's gonna get better and better and better and better. And a short time later you're gonna be like, it's actually amazing, it's so good. I never thought I'd be able to run so far, fly so high, walk so strong. But you'll be able to because you made the cut and you kept breathing into the machine at the other end. Amen? Would you all come all the way in? I'm going to pray for you. Would you all do, you know, just do what brothers and sisters in Christ do and just reach out your hands to your, reach out your hands. Leave your hands at home. Reach out your hands. And uh, in faith, we're going to pray for them. Could you guys down the front just lift up your hands? If you're here with your spouse, hold their hand and lift them up together. If you're here doing something together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you never cut to hurt, but you cut to heal, and that every one of them, Lord God, can trust you, that your way is better, that your way produces fruit, that your way brings life, that your way brings hope, that your way brings healing, and your way brings change that God that you would help them to never ever have a lazy affirmation salvation, but they would always seek that transformation that comes with true and proper salvation, that they'd never ever get so prideful that they find themselves in destruction, so prideful that they can't admit that something grew back a little bit, but they would always have the humility that they've got right now to say, Lord, make the cut, Lord, make the cut again, Lord, make the cut again and again and again until this thing's dead and buried in Jesus' name. So God, I pray right now that you fill all of their hearts with hope so that no matter what garbage comes at them tomorrow, that they would know that they know that they know that they know that healing is coming. That good fruit is on its way That their life isn't just gonna bear fruit, but bear fruit that bears fruit that bears fruit because they were willing to do hard things, to chase the salvation of transformation instead of affirmation. God, I pray that you would pour out your favor and blessing on them. God, as they continue to put you first and live in humility, that you would elevate them. God, that though you resist the proud, that you will elevate the humble. And that, God, as they're elevated, as their life gets better, that they wouldn't then transition into pride but back into humility still. God, that we would always know that we need you. God, whatever it is in their hearts right now that needs to be cut off, Lord God, whether it's lust, whether it's lies, whether it's gossip, whether it's bitterness, whether it's infidelity, whether it's adultery, whether it's sleeping together, whatever it is, whether it's not, Lord God, I don't know, God, whether it's a sexual perversion in their life, God, I don't know what it is, but I do know that there's nothing that you can't hurt, nothing you can't cut. God, there ain't no crazy that you can't fix. So I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'd cut it off today. And that tomorrow you'd help them walk. And you'd help them breathe. In the name of Jesus. Come on, someone say amen and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do me a favor, stay here. Stay here. We've got a couple more things. We just stay here so we can keep it a little organized for a second. Pastor Connor's gonna come and wants to talk to some of y'all about giving your life to Jesus Christ and uh let me encourage you. If you're away from God, pray this prayer with Pastor Connor now. Don't go home hoping. I don't mean to throw some old school uh, preaching at you, but you might not get home and you'll wish that you prayed that prayer now instead of waiting until next weekend. I, I'm just saying it matters, right? I don't want to risk eternity because I'm scared to do something today. Make the cut today. If you're scared, you're like, if I make the cut, if I give my life to Christ, some things are going, yes, some things are going to change. But I promise you it's worth it. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.